Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the 622nd edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Beyond the 90 at beyondthe90.substack.com. And of course... Let's not forget locally for the New York Rebels at Rebels New Network News Network. But as always, this show is dedicated to the American game as a whole. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves. Like a question to ask us, we'll try to answer the best of our abilities. And tonight we are going to preview the 2024 U.S. Men's National Team and U.S. Soccer tournament schedule as not only will we be seeing our men's national team play in the CONCACAF Nations League, of course in the Copa America, but finally, finally, we are back in the Summer Olympic Games for the under-23 squad, and we'll get to that in a moment. My guest tonight is Fabian Rankel, formerly of Area Sports Network, now with SBI Soccer, of course, that's Ives Gallerseps Soccer by Ives. Unfortunately, Carter Krishnire uh, of World Soccer Talk will not join us tonight. He is under the weather, so unfortunately, he will not be joining us tonight, and uh, hopefully we'll have him back on at another time. But Fabian, good evening. It was great to see you at, at Major League Soccer's Media Day at the Miami Beach Convention Center. It was a wonderful afternoon, a whole day worth, I should say. Unfortunately, the weather did not cooperate that day. But still, though, it was great to see you in person for the first time. Dan, how you doing, my friend? Hey, I had a blast talking to you. Um, honestly, we could have talked all day, but but I, I, I had to get some work done that day, and I'm glad to be on your show so soon because we just had so much to talk about, and now we can share it with everybody that's listening today. Absolutely, and let's go ahead and talk about, obviously, the, the longest drought for American soccer recently until they were able to win the CONCACAF under-20 tournament that led them to last year's under-20 tournament, but also doubled as Olympic qualification for the Parisian Summer Games uh, that will be in Paris, which will be in Paris, France, uh, and all over the country in France. And of course, you know, it's very exciting that finally, it's not just the under-20 World Cup that you see these players perform in. It's not just an under-17 World Cup they get to perform in. Now they're getting an opportunity to take on the best youth players at the age of 23 and under to take on some of the best nations that have qualified for this wonderful tournament once every four years in the Summer Games in the Olympics. Yeah, you know, it's it's a big opportunity, especially for a lot of these young guys. I mean, we were talking in person about Cade Cowell making a move to Chivas, and, you know, that that World Cup that he went to really, you know, showed the world what he's capable of doing with people that are his age and, and the true potential that he truly has. So a lot of a lot of players that are going to play in this Olympics, it's a great opportunity to possibly get – 
a shot at, you know, this next World Cup. I mean, there's going to be young guys that make the roster. There's going to be guys that shock the world. And I'm looking at a guy like Tolkien, you know, possibly waiting till he has a good showing in Paris to then maybe make that jump to Europe. And a lot of these guys that are at this camp in Orlando right now, like uh, Duncan McGuire, it's the same thing. Maybe they have a really good showing out in Paris. They get a European offer. They have a good, strong year before Copa America. And then, boom, they're right on the roster as, as a second option for a very good and very, very high ceiling United States men's national team with both of these really big tournaments coming into town. Absolutely. And another player I think we can definitely take a look at, Diego Luna from Real Salt Lake. I mean, look, we all know about Cade Cowell. He already automatically put his name on the map for Greg Berhalter and the U.S. men's national team on the senior side. But what Diego Luna did in that tournament down in Argentina was also spectacular as well. And then getting that opportunity there to then move into his MLS career at Real Salt Lake, coming from El Paso Locomotive of USL Championship. Uh, What he has done so far, I I think, is also worth taking a look into, and I think he's going to shock a lot of people, especially if he does get that spot for the Olympics uh, this upcoming summer. Yeah, you know, Diego Luna is a player that has really captured all the fans around the United States, a a player that really – embody something that American soccer really hasn't seen in a, in a, little, in a little long time. Um, this is like a very technical player. He's a guy who, you know, the, uh, I know really closely because the Quakes actually missed on um, a, a kid from California that, you know, has a pretty high ceiling as well. I mean, a lot of these guys are MLS guys that have played remarkably well this last season in MLS. Um, now have a true shot of being one of the players to make that senior team. Diego Luna is a creative player. He, he can find ways to, you know, get other players open. And it, I always laugh because if you know the San Jose Earthquakes, he reminds me of like a Chofis Lopez but American, right? So I felt like his play style is very technical. He, he, he has a very, very high ceiling in my opinion. I agree with you there. It I definitely has a high ceiling. And when you look at the under-20 roster right now from this past tournament in, the, in Argentina from the 2023 under-20 World Cup, I mean, you're looking at, you know, a pretty strong lineup that did very well in the group stage, had an excellent second uh had an excellent second round, unfortunately falling to Uruguay in the quarterfinals, but still though, I mean, I don't know how many of these players are going to be chosen from this under 20 squad, but you know, if you take a look at some of the players from the Philadelphia union as well, I mean, you can't really overlook some of these players that have been developing in MLS. Obviously Jack McGlynn is one in the midfield. Quinn Sullivan's another one in the midfield. Um, I mean, you're looking at, a lot of great, great players that are getting these opportunities, hopefully. Also, uh, up front, uh, I should say in the midfield as well, Chad Vargas, uh, Pukstas, uh, also DC United's Kevin Parades, formerly DC United, I should say. And, you know, Josh Wolf's son, Owen Wolf, uh, that was over in, um, I believe, I keep forgetting one. I know, I know one player, one of his sons is with him in Austin. The other one's in Atlanta. So I'm assuming Owen's in Atlanta, but I could be wrong. You can correct me if I am wrong. Um, can get an opportunity here to be on that under 23 squad. Yeah, look, again, uh, we're going to get a crop of, you know, 
of these sons of United States men's national teams uh, coach or kids like Berhalter is another one that pops up to me. Uh, Gio Reyna was one, right? So uh, it, it, you know, it's funny that there's the two wolves that are gonna possibly be on this roster too. So we're starting to see those guys come into play, and and it's it is gonna be an interesting kind of dynamic. You know, all these guys being well connected to the federation. Um, is it? You know, are the other guys going to get the fair shot? We'll see, right? It, it's all it's all fun, and and let's see if if one of these kids, you know, really takes that next step. Very true. And finally, for me, for the roster situation uh, from the under twenty squad, uh, I, I just got a funny feeling. I think this is going to be Gaga Slonina's tournament uh, to go forward, unless, and we'll get to the three overage players that we will be speculating, of course. Uh, who could be taking one of those, over the one of those roster spots? But to me, I think Slo, this is probably Slonina's Olympic tournament. Um, you know, doing well at the moment in Europe on loan from Chelsea. Uh, talk about Chelsea at another time because I have my issues with them, but that's that's a different story altogether. But still, though, uh, I, I truly believe that this is his tournament to be in net to get that Olympic moment and to get that Olympic glory, depending on what they do. And of course it's not, the field's not completed yet. They haven't had their draw yet. And there's still other tournaments to be taken care of uh, elsewhere in the other confederations. But you know, I, I, what, what's your thoughts on that? You think this is Slonina's tournament to be in goal for the U S under 23s? Yeah. Look, Selena is killing it over there. I mean, there's a whole bunch of Chelsea fans asking for him to be the main goalie out there. So, uh, or excuse me, my apologies. That is Petrovic, if I'm not mistaken. But um, yeah, I mean, this is this is the tournament where Felina has to go ahead and and really, you know, truly shine. Um, another name I actually, you know, just thought about looking at this roster was uh, Patrick Schulte. I mean, Roman Berkey is is a very very good uh, Champions League caliber goalkeeper that played for many years at Borussia. Um, he had some interesting words to say about Patrick Schulte and how, how good of a goalie he was when I was trying to ask him about, uh, you know, Larissa at media day. He couldn't stop talking about Schulte and how good of a young player this guy is. So looking at this uh, January camp roster, that's a name that really, you know, could be a dark horse in that race and could give Selena a little run for his money, in my opinion. Um, but I, I don't think – I don't know. I don't think they're going to use uh, – you know, over 23 player in that kind of role there. I, I do, or any age player, because you get three of those per, per uh, Olympic team. I think that young guys, I think that's pretty stacked in that, in that little uh, kind of race there. Uh, I know we're going to get into it a little later, but yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch of guys that can help in other parts of this roster too. No, absolutely. And the one thing I think that we all have to look at is this, is that whoever might not be used in the Copa America, I have a funny feeling they will be used in the under-23 Olympic tournament, whoever the three overage players will be selected. So, you know, they won't be there for the big tournament in the beginning of June through the beginning of July. But still, though, when we get to the end of July into August, you know, that'll be the Olympic tournament. So whoever won't be selected there might be selected for the Olympics. And and let me just say this right now. Um, you can call me crazy if you want. Because if Red Halter does not choose, I would say, and this is just my, my opinion. I'm not saying I have inside information. But a guy like Jesus Ferreira, 
Now, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I, I think he would – I don't know if he will be selected for the Copa America. I, I don't think he would not be. I think he would be. But if he doesn't, I wouldn't mind Jesus Ferreira being on the Olympic squad as one of the three overaged players to get the opportunity for Olympic glory. Yeah, hey, look, I actually like that shout. I really do. Um, I think, you know, why not have one of those, you know, slots be used on a striker that's going to be able to play almost any position up there. I mean, he could play a false nine. He could play uh, – I've seen him play a 10. I've seen him play on the wings. I think, you know, he's a good – he's a he's a captain sometimes when he needs to be for Dallas. I, I truly do think he's, he's a good shout. Um, not a bad idea, especially with, you know, Sargi coming back into play, Pepe, Balogan. Another one would, that would be interesting, too, is Brandon Vasquez. I mean, maybe they oh, want absolutely. to let him have his, uh, yeah, have his you, know, you know, run of games with Monterey because it's, it's a big club, and, you know, you don't want to take him away because he's just a brand-new transfer. But, shoot, <laughs> I wouldn't mind bringing those two <laughs> to, to the tournament, right? I mean, and then you could really think about, you know, I'm sure up the back line, get, maybe get a, a center back and, and really truly, you know, possibly – just thinking about maybe Walker Zimmerman back there too. I mean, I know Walker is an A-team guy, but I don't know. I think if we bring those three guys, I'm pretty confident they could win the whole Olympic tournament. I, I think I think those three guys are pretty good, and and I think they can really show something a little more. I think they can help this young team, and I I think they're A or B group guys. I think they're you know A squad or B squad guys, and I think this is an opportunity for them to make a true name for themselves for the one for the A squad. You know, I was just thinking this and I'm glad you even brought it up. If we, if if you, if the under 23 squad with three, with three overage players, you know, allowed to be on that team, Brandon Vasquez, Cade Cowell, who is of course eligible to be an under 23 player uh, and Ferreira, you know, Vasquez, Ferreira, Cowell, Three fantastic strikers, two overaged, one under the age of 23 or at 23. I mean, that can really be a dynamic threesome depending on, you know, who starts, who comes off the bench, and what they can do in the group stage, you know, once we get there. And I, to me, that's a, an amazing fu- a bunch of firepower that can definitely light up the back of the net. Uh, whoever's going to be uh, in their group uh, once the draw does get conducted over there in Paris, France. Yeah. Hey, look, I mean, all those guys, you know, maybe get a lot of, you know, slack because they're in MLS, but two of those three guys now are in Liga Mekis. So if you respect Liga Mekis a little more than MLS, you're pretty excited about that. I mean, you're seeing these guys make the move. And I asked this Ferreira at media day as well. You were there. You know what would would a Liga Mekis uh, move for you be in the cards? And and he would say he was open to everything, but at the moment that he's you know he's focused on FC Dallas. Again, we talked a little bit about this at MLS Media Day. I think that Brandon Vasquez and Cade Cow are going to make the next step in their career, and I think now thinking that they're going to make that next step and they're going to try to be better than MLS quality strikers. Shoot, you're right. I like that trident at the top. I think that would really, really give us a great opportunity to get pretty far in this tournament. Um, and then, like you said, you know, a guy like Tolkien in the back, you know, a guy that's very experienced, a very good MLS guy looking to make that move to Europe. Um, a guy like Aiden Morris in the midfield probably. 
I don't know. My MLS bias might be leaking a little bit through, but I like the I like the squad. Nope, I so do I. I. I really do. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I do like the squad. I mean, don't get me wrong. You got to sprinkle in a couple of uh, youth players that are playing overseas. But the the, the point is, is this that the majority of this roster is probably going to be MLS based anyway. So it, it's going to be really interesting to watch this young team go out there. Whoever's part of the under-20 squad will definitely be a part of this under-23 squad. And anyone else that's going to be a part of it that's done well so far the last couple of years or so in MLS. As you, we've already agreed on, you know, John Tolkien will definitely get, uh, has been a part of the uh, uh, the Olympic uh, development squad so far. Uh, a couple of friendlies last towards the end of last year. Uh, as we all agreed, Cade Cowell making a move. We'll see who the three overage players will be uh, for the squad. But once again, I think we're looking pretty strong and pretty solid here. And I would not definitely – I would definitely say they would at least get out of the group because that's always the most important thing. Get out of your group in the top two spots, four groups of four, to move on to the quarterfinals. And then, you know, wherever the cards lay – We'll see what happens, but really, really strong. Uh, and just, you know, just to let everyone know, uh, we already have uh, 15 uh, national teams already involved in uh, the uh, for the who have already qualified for the World Cup. Obviously, France is the host nation; they are automatically in. Uh, so we have Dominican Republic, Egypt, uh, Israel, Mali, uh, Morocco. New Zealand, Spain, and the Ukraine. Of course, let's not forget the women are also involved as well. Uh, and qualifying from the women's side, of course, Brazil, Canada, Colombia, and the United States. So at this point in time, two, four, six, eight, ten national teams have already qualified on the men's side uh, for the Olympics. We still have to go through two other tournaments as well. We have Conmebol South America, which is going to start in a couple of days on the 20th of January, and it'll end on the 11th of February. And then uh, for Asia, for the Under-23 Asian Cup uh, for, uh, for this summer, uh, this upcoming April the 15th through May the 3rd, and then the playoff between Asia and Africa, and that date will be to be determined, which will be played in France, and then we'll find out when the draw will be, and we'll find out where the, when who the United States will face against and let's not also forget uh, those teams, once again, uh, from CONCACAF, USA, Dominican Republic, from UEFA, Spain, Israel, Ukraine, from Africa, Morocco, Egypt, Mali, from Oceania, New Zealand, and of course, once again, France is the host nation. So that's three, six, nine, ten nations that have qualified on the men's side for qualification for the men. The women, we are a... Uh, no, there's only a couple of clubs, uh, excuse me, teams that have qualified for it. So we'll see what happens. Let's now move on, Fabian, to the CONCACAF Nations League. Once again, United States and Mexico have qualified uh, for the Nations League semifinals along with Panama. But this time around, Jamaica uh, also joins the those other three nations for the very first time for the Nations League, which will be played at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, of course, home of the Dallas Cowboys as Panama, which will be the first-ranked side, will be taking on Mexico as the um, fourth-ranked side. And the United States, the second-ranked side, will be hosting or taking on Jamaica as the third-ranked side. And, of course, whoever will advance out of the semifinals to the final or the third-place match should be interesting. Let's look 
at the United States first, Fabian. You know, yeah, look, I mean, go ahead. this U.S. squad is the best U.S. squad I've seen. I And, and, I, and I'm going to be completely honest with you. I feel like this U.S. squad with McKenney, you know, dicing up assists left and right in, in Italy, with Christian Pulisic being possibly one of the best transfers in Serie A this year, uh, I think the sky is the limit. I mean, Gio Reyna needs to find co- consistent playing time, but I'm sure he's, you know, he's rumored to go to Sociedad. I think he's going to be able to, you know, find some playing time and get into a groove. Uh, Timothy Weah, you know, scoring a goal for Juventus, getting in some minutes at such a big club. You know, this is a completely different team. I think this this whole team can, can make a big difference. And the only one that I would say is maybe not in the best, you know, spot in their club team is probably Balogan. I think Balogan is, is not having the best of seasons, but at the same time, Pepe is. Pepe's having a great season. So do you bench Balogan? Do you, do you go ahead and go with the hot-handed Pepe? And then you have Sargent coming back from an injury and, and possibly stealing some minutes from, from the two above him, right? And I think we're all in understanding that it goes still Balogan, Pepe, Sargent. Um, but it's Balogan's position to lose, and, and he needs to get a little bit of a groove down, and, and he needs to go ahead and uh, score some goals before we go into Nations League. But, again, it's going to be tough. You know, does Musa – I know he picked up a knock in, in a, you know, a couple games ago. Does Musa stay in that lineup? You know, is it just going to be McKinney uh, and – excuse me, and Tyler Adams again? You know, so it's time to, to be – Really, really proud of your United States men's national team fan. Again, this is a team with a lot of potential, a team that's young. They've already been through a World Cup together. So, the whole, I mean, and Jedi Robinson, too. You know, he's become such a good player in this league that he's linked or into the EPL that he's linked to other bigger clubs now. Um, the only thing that's really kind of something that's a little foggy for me is if Death can, like, not get a red card and be totally, you know, a buzzkill to this team with a ton of chemistry and a ton of potential, right? So um, I think this team's going to be able to really lift that Nations League trophy. And I, I'm going to go into my next point, but I think Jamaica is the only real dark horse of this tournament. I agree. And um, my feeling is this, because yeah. what we saw from B.J. Callahan, not so much in the Nations League. I mean, first of all, he did an amazing job in the Nations League, and he also did an amazing job at the Gold Cup um, in you know summer of 2023. I mean, let's be honest. I, I thought B.J. Callahan, as much stick as I gave him uh, to you know run the national team in both tournaments, I, I mean, I cannot say nothing negative about him. I thought he really uh, took advantage of what was given to him. Even though I complained about it, I, I, I protested it. Still, though, he proved me wrong. And now I feel comfortable and confident that hopefully maybe one day down the line, he'll be a head coach, whether it be a club or for the national team. I, I really think he is, he, he's made a name for himself already, even though it's such a short period of time. But still, though, Hemar Hallgrimson, the head coach of Jamaica, who ran the Icelandic national team in that magical European cup run several years ago. Um, Look, uh, what he has done for Jamaica early on has been tremendous. And I really think you're right. They are a dark horse, 
But I think now Jamaica has a quality manager, a quality head coach that knows what he is going to do with the talent that he has, and he's gotten them to play very strong, well-defensive playing and attacking at the same time. To me, it's always what's going on in the technical area, not just the starting 11 and who subs in and who subs out. You've got to have the best guy in your technical area to make everything go. Yeah, look, I mean, getting a guy like Demarai Gray, it's such a big boost to a a nation that hasn't truly, truly lived up to their expectations in a long time. Um, You're starting to be able to attract these EPL talents that would usually play for England, right? I mean, they're English-born players who, you know – are great players, but it's just such a competitive uh, lineup for the three lines that, you know, Jamaica is a great opportunity for them to get a name out for themselves and truly be loved by a country, right? So every every player has a dream of playing for a national team, and I, I, I bet you anything, these players still have strong, strong ties to Jamaica as they grew up in Jamaican households. But, yeah, I mean, this team can truly look different by the time 2026 runs around. I mean, just looking at a couple of guys like Ivan Tony could possibly play for them as well. Um, you know, like Max Aaron's Barnsley, like Norwich City defender, Barnsley midfielder, Jonathan Russell. Again, these guys can completely change this roster and, and could make a powerhouse in CONCACAF if they all join. That's for sure. And we would actually, in my opinion, I would think, the U.S. would be a bit more scared of Jamaica than they would of Mexico if all these players decided to join Jamaica. Um, so it, it is a great squad. Like you said, they have a good coach. They have a coach that has done it before from a, from a smaller country, which is very, very important um, when you're going into these tournaments. But, yeah, Jamaica really, really is that team now. I mean, they've always been a, a, you know, a good MLS kind of quality team or they have MLS guys. But now they're getting EPL guys. And as much as I love MLS, I would take EPL guys over MLS guys all, all day, right? So um, it's something to, to really, truly think about. It, it really does. And let me just say this, though. It's not so much that, you know, if the USA does get a result against Jamaica and they advance to the final, which would be fantastic because, of course, they're back-to-back champions already. They're two-time Nations League champions, and they're still the defending champions. But – you're seeing now CONCACAF improving. You're seeing them in, you know, evolving. And it's not just the typical you know, national teams like in the Central American region like Costa Rica. We know Honduras has been sputtering. Guatemala's been up and down a lot. They've had their moments, but they're still not there. Um, and, of course, you know, Belize is now starting to fall down a little bit. But uh, I shouldn't say Belize, but I should say uh, Curacao's been falling down a little bit as well. Uh, now they just got Dick Avocat as their uh, national team manager now, so that's going to be a big news for them, and we'll see if he brings them uh, better luck. But, you know, Thomas Christensen has really made Panama into a brand-new juggernaut. Now, maybe I'm going a little strong with it, but <laughs> I cannot overlook the job he has done Thomas Christensen with the roster that he has and at the same time the players are being developed 
by the Panamanian Football Federation that has gotten them this far. He has gotten them to the Gold Cup final, beat the U.S. in penalties in the semifinals in the last tournament. Um, so that's another dark horse where they are already making a lot of noise, and it's still going to be difficult depending on if they do defeat Jamaica, will they play Panama? Because I'll be honest, even though Mexico, I would say manager-wise, they have improved. Talent-wise, and usually I don't say this, but I mean, let's be fair here. The talent is slowly not shining the way it used to, and we have to be honest about that. Yeah, look, I mean, if you're Mexico... Just bring Carlos Bella or Chicharito. Just bring one of them, right? I mean, <laughs> bring a veteran guy that's been there before. You know, I thought, you know, Carlos Bella still can offer some quality sub minutes for that team with experience. And it's going to be hard to kind of, you know, get him to play the, on the Mexican national team. You have to convince him, right? So who knows? But uh, Hector Herrera has been playing pretty well for Houston. I think he, he can shine in this tournament as well. Um, I think Santi Jimenez, maybe uh, this is going to be a crazy take, but I think Santi Jimenez may be one of the best strikers in Europe in the last year. I mean, he had a lot of goals in that league, and, and he, he's looking to make a bigger move to a bigger club. Um, I think he's very underrated, but besides that, I don't think Mexico has too much to offer. Um, I think, like, you're right. I think that they're going through – they had a golden generation in the past where they had Dos Santos brothers and Chicharito, you know, causing havoc for the U.S., and, and I don't think it's there anymore. And I think it's maybe about three to four years out until we see if Mexico can have that. But speaking about Panama, I mean, look, just looking at the guys on this roster – and you totally – you see a name like Alberto Quintero where he's getting quality minutes in a Panamanian side that is a dark horse that can truly be a good team. But Alberto Quintero played for the Quakes about four, five, four or five years ago. And now he's playing, I believe, in a, in a much smaller league. Uh, he's playing for a Peruvian club, but he's still getting quality minutes at 36 years old. So these Panamanian guys, I mean, they're something else. They – they truly wear that kit with pride, and that whole locker room really plays for each other like a whole band of brothers. So you can never really count them out, and what they're doing, led by Coco Carasquilla, is, is truly remarkable, like you were saying. And let's not forget, of course, Michael Murillo, the right back. Uh, he's going to be something special uh, as well, former New York Red Bull, who's bounced around in Europe right now. But still, though, he's a quality right back. He can lock you down. He can stop you down the, the, the wing. I mean, he's just been tremendous. The only negative about Murillo, unfortunately, and he loses a little bit of concentration. I'm not talking about, you know, missing him marker or anything like that. But once, he, once his feathers get ruffled, forget it. He's already lost on the pitch. So hopefully he's been able to uh, grow up from that. And, but other than that, he's a lockdown right back. Very, very strong player and knows how to get uh, uh, how, how to defend against a ball like that. So definitely, um, you know, still a top-notch player. But still, though, uh, if he uh, basically uh, loses concentration on his own, he's his own worst enemy. But that's the one thing you have to worry about with Michael Murillo once he's, uh, he's out there. Other than that, um, you know, that's going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen. And finally. Of course, Copa America, Fabian, uh, the big 
10 nations of Conmebol to take on, uh, of course, four of the six nations that have qualified for the Copa America. We're going to wait and see what's going to happen, of course, with uh, during Nations League. Uh, we're going to have Canada taking on Trinidad and Tobago to see who will face Group A. And then, of course, Honduras facing Costa Rica to see who's going to go into Group D. But let's go ahead and talk about uh, the four groups. Now, obviously, for the United States, we all know Bolivia not doing well, unfortunately. Uh, they're basically near the bottom of the World Cup qualification table of Conmebol. And so, you know, many people are saying for the U.S., they're going to start their group uh, matches first against Bolivia, then take on Panama once again. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. And once again, we have talked about them. But as always, Uruguay, look, I, I out of outside of Argentina and, and Brazil, I love Uruguay. I think they're, they're, they're just so technically sound. I, I love how they play the game. I love how they bring the ball up and they come back and defend. But now Marcelo Bielsa, is their manager. And I'm just, I, I have to say it. I think he's an X factor that I think Uruguay never expect. I mean, you'd always wanted a, a great manager like that, but still though, what he is doing for Uruguay so far at the start of the world cup qualifying has been tremendous. Yeah. Hey, look, when Marcelo Bielsa was linked to possibly taking over the USMNT, I thought, man, if that gets, to be true, this USMNT team, the sky is the limit. I mean, we're talking semifinals, if it's possible, right? So um, I truly think that Marcelo Bielsa, what he's doing with Uruguay, he's turned that club, who was already a good – or, excuse me, a nation, already into a good – a good nation all into a true contender in this next World Cup. I mean, you, you're getting – insane work rates out of these guys, and these guys are wreaking the benefits of playing in his system um, around the world. I mean, look at if you take a look at Valverde, I mean, Valverde is having a, a phenomenal season. You look at a guy like Nunez where, uh, yes, you know, he has up and downs, but he, he's, a, he's a leader of chaos ball, and chaos ball comes from that high press offense and, and, high, and being really good at pressing, right? So, no, I, 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 I actually think – not biased because my, both of my parents are from Uruguay, but I think uh, that Uruguay is a true, true powerhouse and could win this Copa America. Uh, and I do think they have a great, great shot at truly making it far in the next World Cup in the United States. Uh, again, I, I can only say that if you go into Argentina and beat them, you know, at the home of Boca Juniors, it, you know, that's that's not easy, right? That's something that, couldn't that needs to be taken into account. I mean, I think Uruguay hasn't done it in at least 10 years. And then going into Brazil and beating them as well, Uruguay is on a different trajectory this time around. I, I agree with you. I, I really think that Uruguay is going to shock a lot of people in this Copa America. Um, I mean, Brazil is definitely um, – they're, they're not what they used to be, even if Neymar was healthy. I just – don't see Brazil 
doing anything. I mean, they'll get out of their group, without a doubt. I, I mean, look, you're, you're taking on Colombia. I'll, I'll be honest with you right now. I think Brazil could be one of the two teams out of Group D uh, with Colombia. I think Colombia's also improved. Uh, Hymas, uh, you know, um, has been tremendous for them. Obviously, you think host, either Honduras or Costa Rica are going to be out. Uh, Paraguay, I think they're doing okay. Could be better, but still, though, Carlos Cornell, who is who did the one-time switch, is now a Paraguayan national team goalkeeper. Uh, I don't doubt him being the number one goalkeeper for Paraguay at this point in time. Uh, could do something big, but I, I just don't see Brazil going far. I mean, depending who they face in the quarterfinals, but... Uh, they can get out of the group, but I just don't see them going past uh, the quarterfinals at all. And that's something that's going to be tremendous right there. Yeah, look, I think that's totally fair. I mean, Copa America is a different animal, right? We're talking about possibly the best continent in soccer. I mean, this is not an easy tournament to win. This is not your Gold Cup. I, you know, I'd say that out of complete respect to the teams that participate in the Gold Cup, but this is this is a different animal, and I think this is truly the best test before a World Cup, and having it here on your home soil where you can truly test the, the fans, too. The fans, are they gonna, they're going to have to get ready for, for the World Cup, and this is a perfect test for that. Um, yeah, I'm just so excited for this tournament, and I know everybody listening is as well. Copa America, you know, Centenario was here, I think it was, you know, maybe eight years ago. Um, I went to go see mm-hmm. Uruguay, Jamaica, um, but you know, this time around, I'll be working as a you know as a reporter, as a journalist, and it, it's just you know coming full circle. You know, every every kid dreams about you know this one moment where your nation is is you know lifting that trophy and and having a having a say or working in that is 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 always a beautiful thing too. And and experiencing that as a fan, especially being you know, a, a fan of one of these South American nations winning possibly on U.S. soil is, is a lot of fun. But, I, you know, looking at all these tournaments coming up, it's going to be the next four years of Messi here, that's for sure. So if, if that's you don't get for sure. Messi, yeah, if you don't get any Messi tickets this year, don't worry. He'll be here for at least three more years. Absolutely. And that's the thing, too. You know, Messi will be on this Copa America squad for Argentina. That is, you know, no doubt in my mind. I think, I mean, I think we can all be also be honest with ourselves here. This, this could be his last hurrah. I think this is his last Copa America. I mean, like I said, um, you know, look, if he does remain playing for Argentina, look, I wouldn't blame him. I understand. Uh, But I just feel like, you know, just like Diego Maradona, his time came to an end for the national team. Very soon, Messi is going to have to call it a, a career internationally and just move on because you know he's already got his World Cup. He he got to Copa America before winning the World Cup in Qatar. Um, and look, I'm not trying to be a Messi hater. I never was a Messi hater. I respect him. <laughs> I, I respect what he's done. Uh, I just feel that, you know, look – I guess he just wants to ride off into the sunset here in MLS, being with Miami, and then just just say uh, uh, I'm done and just you know move off and ride off into the sunset like he probably would be planning for it. Yeah. Hey, look, he's still winning Player of the Year awards <laughs> for 2023. So uh, you know it's it's something shocking to see. You know, uh, we, we I, I talked a little bit on my Twitter yesterday, but yeah, I mean Messi hasn't slowed down. He's slowed down possibly a little bit, but I still think there's longevity in his 
playing career, and we'll see how he does this year in MLS. But, no, I, I think you're right. This this might be his last Copa America, and it's going to be an emotional one for him, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go back to the United States now. Once again, Group C, they're going to face Bolivia first, then Panama, and then Uruguay. And now we've got to talk about this group. I, I think they'll be able to defeat Bolivia, but then again, look, you never know if Bolivia makes a change at manager. You don't know if they're going to change things up. They're going to find a way to uh, change their fortunes because there's still plenty of matches to go, not just for them for World Cup qualifying, obviously, but to prepare for the Copa America. But I do believe that'll be a victory. Panama, I, I think that's a dark horse like we've already talked about with Thomas Christensen as their head coach. Um, but really... Greg Berhalter is going to match wits with Bielsa. And this is going to be a heavy hitter in the technical area that could definitely knock him down a peg, depending on if the U.S. gets six points, and they have to get six points at least. If you can get seven points and get a draw against Uruguay, that's a win. That's a win. Because I see Bielsa, Marco Bielsa, I, I, I see Mar- Mario Bielsa just, just making Greg Berhalter look foolish. I really do. I mean, I look, I don't, I try to be as real as I can on this show. Because we got to be honest with the, with the audience here, Fabian. Bielsa, as you know as well as I do, is a, basically a top 10 international manager period, manager period in world football. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what possible names can you see being better than Bielsa at this moment, right? Maybe an Ancelotti, uh, Mourinho. But uh, speaking about Mourinho, right, I mean, he just left Roma this morning. If Berhalter gets absolutely embarrassed by Bielsa in the Copa America, do they make a quick change to a guy like Mourinho? Um, it's, it's, it's something to really think about. And I, I think it's a true possibility. I don't think they go in with Berhalter if he absolutely bombs this Copa America. Yeah, I agree. Now, let's be honest with ourselves here. We all know that I believe Uruguay is definitely contender to win it. I think Argentina is a contender to win it. I also believe right now, um, if, if we're being honest with ourselves here, another, uh, I would say Colombia is a favorite to win it. So at this point in time, I'd go Argentina, Uruguay, Colombia as the top three nations to be the you know odds-on favorite to win the Copa America. Now, would I like to see the United States win the Copa America? Absolutely. But... Where do you think the United States should finish if they don't reach the final? Yeah, look, I think a semifinal berth is a win. I think if you're the United States, you don't usually play against this type of talent. You don't usually play against these mastermind uh, coaches. I, I think if you find a way to reach that semifinal with the likes of Argentina or, or Uruguay or Brazil in your way, you know, I don't think anybody in the United States will not hold their head up high. I mean, we're talking about legendary nations about soccer, nations with 
multiple. All three of those nations, Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay, have more than three World Cups. I mean, there's no way an American fan gets mad about, you know, the United States making at least the semifinal. The quarterfinal, it's going to be a little bittersweet, right? I mean, we made it to the quarterfinal. We won a game in the knockout rounds, but, you know, maybe it could have been a little more. Maybe that, maybe that game's like losing to a Colombia, like you were saying, or losing to a, a Chile or Peru. Uh, maybe you don't want to lose to Peru, but, like, a Chile, right? So it's something just it's unfortunate, um, but I think a semifinal berth will be a win for the United States men's national team. Now, here's my fear, and I'm going to be very, very honest with you, Fabian, and you can agree with me or disagree with me. It's fine. You know, it's your call too, but my worry is this, free and out. Now, like I said, I think they can defeat Bolivia, but if there's a hiccup against Panama in the second game, that's going to be tough sledding against Uruguay because I'm telling you right now, if Panama finds a way to throw a monkey wrench into the works and the U.S. goes three and out, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, it's a complete failure for Greg Berhalter and for the national team. And then the question becomes this. Is Greg Berhalter's job in jeopardy? 100%. I mean, if you go three and out in the Copa America, in, on American soil, you're expected to make knockout rounds. Um, let's see if Uruguay, you know, goes full pedal to the metal in the last game, right? What if they take advantage of their first two games? They win comfortably 3-0 in both or 3-1 in, in versus Panama. Who knows if they go fully with their you know, starting lineup in that match because they know – if they get a draw, they win, right? Or they win the division and it, or the, the group, and it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, USA might have that working for them if, the, if, if that's the case. So, uh, yeah, I think completely agree with you. I feel like if Greg Berhalter doesn't get out of the group stage, his job is, is done with the United States. Yeah, and that's the one thing right there that we have to be aware of. And we'll see what happens. Look, look, we don't. We root for the national team to win, obviously. We want our U.S. men's national team to win. And we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, and once again, these tournaments are going to be ready to go. This coming March in the international window, it will be the CONCACAF Nations League. Beginning of Ju- June through the beginning of July will be the Copa America. And then end of July through beginning of August will be the 2024 Summer Olympic Games. The one thing I think that I'm happy to see is, is this. Because we all know this roster is going to be filled with excellent talent playing in Europe and some playing in MLS. But I'm very happy that Christian Pulisic is playing his game in Italy. He's doing so good at AC Milan. They're allowing him to contribute. They're allowing him to show what he's made of. And he has been tremendous for AC Milan in Serie A this year. I have not looked at the table for Serie A, um, but if they are somewhere in the top four of Serie A, I mean, I hope they go to the Champions League again next year. But Christian Pulisic has been tremendous since joining the Rossoneri. Yeah, look, I mean, I I didn't think too much of this move. I thought he was a very, very bargain buy for AC Milan, so I was a little worried that he wouldn't get the opportunities um, that he's getting. And 
I mean, he's he's being phenomenal with everything he's been given. Um, so I truly think Christian Pulisic is blossoming into that superstar player right in front of our eyes. I mean, he's always had that knack. Every time he gets on the ball for the United States, he's always wanted to make the moment happen. Uh, and I, I think he does the same thing with Milan. And maybe he wasn't doing that at Chelsea. Uh, maybe he wasn't feeling like he's that guy at Chelsea. Uh, but Milan currently sits in third spot right behind Juventus and Inter. Um, they have 42 points, and they're pretty. They're sitting pretty because they're eight points ahead of Fiorentina. So Champions League berth is truly in the works out there in, in Milan. So, uh, yeah, again, Musa and Pulisic, it's always good to have another guy there too that you can bounce off of like McKinney and, and, and Wea and Musa and Pulisic. So um, it's a good fit. It's actually a great fit, and uh, I think Italian football – is appreciating all these Americans really showing off their class in Italian football. But, yeah, I mean, Milan was a perfect move for him, getting that playing time and truly making the mark. I'll, I'll say this for you as well, Fabian. If you would have told me that the four, the top four men's national team players that are currently playing at Juventus and AC Milan – are respectively second and third in the table for Serie A, and they're only behind Inter by, well, obviously Juventus is only by uh, two points in second place. Milan is at least a good distance of uh, nine points, ten, I would say ten, ten, ten plus points at the moment right now. They're at 42, and Inter's at 51, so it's nine points behind. But still, though, to say that four men's national team players on the United States team is in the top three of Serie A, you, I, would, I would think uh, they'd call you crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. You're completely right. But that's, that's why this is, this is the time. This is the time to truly take advantage of this golden era. I'm going to call it the golden era, but it is the golden era of United States men's national team soccer. And if Greg Berhalter can't lead this whole team, we're going to need to find a new coach. And we're going to need to find a new coach quick because we have the we have the benefit to play in a huge tournament like Copa America right before the World Cup on our home soil. Again, all this momentum all this momentum is leaning up to a United States World Cup. And if the team delivers and you see a quarterfinal or a semifinal for the U.S. men's national team it, on American soil, I mean, the sky's the limit. You know, how many fans they can add, how many soccer fans are going to be born into this whole ecosystem that we have here for, the, for, for soccer in America. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think this is the time to capitalize on all the tournaments that are happening here. Absolutely. Well, Fabian, uh, it's of course almost time to say goodnight to uh, our listeners here. Do you have any final thoughts before we say goodnight? Hey, I, I want to really thank you for always allowing me to be on the show, and it was it was a real pleasure to to totally see you and meet you and give you a big hug and 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 thank you for everything you've done to help me, you know. Uh, be on this show. So, no, I, I, I have a pleasure. I have a blast every time I'm on here, and we can talk all day about soccer. That's for sure, Dan. 
Absolutely. And next time we'll take that photo together so we don't have to miss each other like last time. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, I, I think for the U.S. men's national team, um, obviously this is and for U.S. soccer as a whole, you know, this is a very big moment uh, overall. I mean, look, we all know CONCACAF is CONCACAF. We understand that. Uh, I still believe that it, it, it's a growing confederation. There's still a couple of weaknesses here and there. I understand that. But still, though, some of these nations in Central America, in the Central American zone, in the Caribbean zone, they're starting to come into age now. They're starting to show that they are improving. They're getting better. Um, still, though, the United States has to show that they are the, the top class nation that we are when it comes to the game internationally. And we'll see what happens moving forward. Other than that, um, there's still go, there's still some work in, ahead of this uh, national team, and hopefully uh, they'll be able to win whatever they're able to win and reach the level that we think they should to become uh, at least a strong powerhouse for this upcoming 2024 uh, international tournament schedule for our U.S. men's national team players. Fabian, once again, thank you very much for joining me. I hope to have you back on again soon, and uh, you take care, and uh, have a good night, my friend. Thanks for joining me. You too, my friend. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Fabian Rankle from now Soccer by Ives, uh, of course, run by Ives Galicep, who is, of course, producing at CBS Sports for uh, the Galazzo Network and uh, morning footy show. And uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us to preview these U.S. men's national team and U.S. soccer tournaments as we talked about the Summer Olympic Games for soccer and, of course, the CONCACAF Nations League and the 2024 Copa America. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And join me again next week. Big news, of course, that broke Today, as the Las Vegas Lights of USL Championship have a brand new owner in Jose Bautista, the former Major League Baseball slugger who played for the Toronto Blue Jays and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Once again, my name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you once again to Fabian Rankel of SBI Soccer for joining me. And join me, of course, after the international friendlies United States take on Slovenia uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, might be a post-game show, might be a review show. We'll let you know when and what will be happening. So once again, thank you for joining me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long and bye-bye for now. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>